Generation Z or Gen Z is defined as people that were born from the late 90s up to the early 2010s. Most times it's 1996 to about 2012. And too often in my experience, when we're having conversations around Web3 or crypto, we talk about Gen Z, but we never really invite them to the table. And this is a flaw and something I hope to work on. And on this episode, I feel super humbled to have sat down with Jack Snell. Jack is someone who I believe is leading the way for his generation in crypto and Web3. Jack and some other students at Texas A&M, where he's currently attending college, took the idea of a blockchain club from an idea all the way to gaining the attention and then even partnership of some of the world's biggest cryptocurrencies. Jack, as you'll hear in this episode, is also helping a high net worth individual in Texas to gain exposure through investment in cryptocurrency. Jack and I met on LinkedIn, and as you're going to hear on this episode, he's far beyond his age. He uses words like generational wealth and passive income and sees Web3 for what it is and is actively working to constantly onboard people. While we old millennials and older think that Gen Z will eventually lead the way, I think maybe you'll agree with me that after listening to this episode, it's evident that they already are leading the way. I'm Jarrett Carpenter, and this is More Than Blockchain. Jack, welcome to More Than Blockchain. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me on, Jared. I'm doing super well. Are you from Texas originally? Yep. Yeah, I'm from Houston, Texas. Okay. Very, very cool. Well, thank you so much for hopping on. And you and I have been connect- trying to connect for a while, but life has been crazy. 2022 ending, 2023 starting. I really wanted to have you on, and I don't want to put too much pressure on you. I want to ask, from a Gen Z's perspective, just super simply, like, what, what I really am hoping that people take away from this, because I'd say more of my listeners are probably more millennial or basically not Gen Z. I guess that's the way I could say it. I think I mm-hmm. am getting into the younger generations as I think the younger generations just see the value of what's happening in blockchain, crypto, and Web3. But for you, as a college kid, who I know you're doing big things at college, and we'll talk about that with the blockchain community that you've really helped create, what is it? about crypto, blockchain, and Web3 that drew you to it? And when were you drawn to it? How long have you been in the space? So I got into it as an investor in 2021. And then uh, it was February 2022 that I started on my first project. And I didn't really know what NFTs were when I even really joined the project. Uh, but I kind of just like dove in, like took a leap of faith. Uh, I, I was really on the fence about it because, again, I had no idea what it was. Didn't know if I could even really provide that much value. But um, uh, I kind of just dove in, like, was learning 24-7, never stopped learning. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how we got here. Okay, so you started 2021 as an investor, 2022 more as a builder or creator. Mm-hmm. And how old are you? Can I ask that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, I'm 22. You're 22? Yep. Okay, cool. I don't ask people, <laughs> anyone over, I think, 25 <laughs> their age because sometimes it can offend people. But okay, you're 22. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what's going on on campus for you at college. You can shout your university out. It's probably not college. You can shout your university out. What are you guys doing? Because I know that y'all have had some serious guests come through. BitBoy Crypto is one of the biggest people culturally in the space. And I know that he came through because I saw your pictures that you were flexing. So 
Talk to me about what you're trying to do there, the people that have come through, the conversations that have been had. You know, what's the point in this community that you've chiseled out, you and others have chiseled out at your university? Uh, it all started last fall. Uh, our president, Ishan Dahani, he, uh, he, comes from, he comes from Austin, and uh, they have a similar club there uh, called Texas Blockchain. And uh, we started out our first semester as basically like another charter, like an expansion of them. Since then, we've broken off from them. Uh, but the whole point was really just to kind of establish a blockchain community here have somewhere for students to come to like, learn about it. Every Monday, we'll do educational meetings. We'll go over like a whole new topic, whether it's NFTs. Uh, uh, sometimes we'll focus on like Bitcoin or diving into DAOs, all that type of stuff. We want to make it very beginner-friendly. And, uh, and then we do like social events on Thursdays. And we actually had a lot more success at first than we actually anticipated. Uh, by the end of uh, the first week of school last semester, we were we already had like 500 people in the Discord, uh, like 100 active people. So we weren't officially a Texas A and M organization last semester either. Uh, we thought there was something kind of off about letting A and M control like our funding when we were a blockchain club. So we raised all of our own funding and. Uh, over the winter break, we closed um, sponsorships with, uh, with Algorand, Avalanche, uh, partnering with Rice Blockchain, Baylor Blockchain. Yeah, it's been an exciting ride. Uh, BitBoy came from, I've actually been connected with BitBoy uh, for a couple of years now. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of just messaged him on LinkedIn, told him what we were doing and that I'd love to have him as a speaker. And within the next few days, uh, he was on. and. It was, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, man, that, that was right around when the FTX stuff was going on too. So we talked a lot about that. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, February 6th, we'll be having the business development team from Avalanche come speak to us. Uh, it's, more, it's more members of the team who focus on like the gaming side of things, which uh, will be really exciting. And yeah, so the future of the club, the, uh, the plan is kind of to turn into like a more of a DAO. Uh, that's why we're kind of partnering with Rice, Baylor, and some other blockchain clubs at other big Texas universities. We'd like to form, you know, like a whole united front of students from Texas universities that kind of represent the space and the industry and uh, kind of lead the state as the up and coming leaders in the space kind of lead the state towards a direction that we'd see fit and uh uh at the end of the semester we'll be having a big pitch competition which we're really excited about we'll be having all the other uh the clubs from the other universities come down and any students who have like a web3 project or product or anything like that they can pitch in front of a bunch of investors and we'll have the mayor of austin also speaking doing a keynote pitch at that event and uh yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 been six months since we started, but it's we're building our community like crazy. And since then, we've actually become registered with Texas A and M, but we still raise our own funding. But this way, we can send out like one email to the whole school, and we don't have to. Before, it was just like word of mouth. That's how we were growing last semester, and it, it's been a crazy journey so far. Uh, and I'm excited. 
Yeah, I, I wanted to ask before we go any further, just super simply, what's the name of the club at Texas A&M? Yeah, Texas A&M Blockchain Club. Okay, amazing. And then I think you already answered the question that I was asking about the Discord in my head. I was like, do you have to be a student to be part of the club? But it sounds like, okay, you're shaking your head. It sounds like you can be anybody. And y'all are able to do that because you separate the school's money from your own funding. Is that accurate? Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, another big thing, I've I've been partnering and volunteering at a local uh, venture studio here. They invest and give like all kinds of different resources from like marketing and uh, they have this facility. It's like a collaborative work environment, almost like a common desk. Uh, but this it's all uh, it's 100 percent Aggie backed, Aggie funded, and uh, they help student startups uh, at A&M. So if you're a graduate student or an undergraduate and you're trying to start a business, uh, they'll they'll fund you, like basically surround you with everything you need. Uh, that's been a really good environment. And uh, we've kind of been doing things with them. And uh, Shelly, my mentor there, has been really helpful with like kind of connecting us with like other alumni and stuff like that what for you because you've you rattled off some big things you said you know like we mess around with everything with nfts DAOs, bitcoin probably everything DeFi, the whole the whole gamut of parts of you know the sectors of blockchain for you personally what is the thing that you are most interested to like grow more with and learn more about for some people i know like it's nfts other people it's like diving more into bitcoin other people it's figuring out how to mine other people it's figuring out how to code solidity what's the thing for you that's like keeps your curiosity on point in the space for me it's the real world use cases that still have like yet to be uh produced or tapped into yet and also also onboarding like big brands is like another another thing that uh uh, I've really been like looking on how to do that better. John Karaski uh, has been a huge help on that. But kind of just like figuring how do we bridge this gap between Web 2 and Web 3? Because like we got Web 2 over here, we got Web 3. There's not a lot of like bridge in between. Not a lot of like incentive for people to even go on the Web 3. Uh, so a lot of onboarding is one of my biggest interests. How do we get some of the biggest brands? How do we actually achieve mass adoption? and then uh, implementing real-world use cases. What's a real-world use case you would want to build? If I'm like, yo, Jack, here's 10 million, cool. I want you to focus on this for a year. What's like the one thing you'd be like, this, is, this means a lot to me personally? Because I feel like for real-world use cases, everyone's going to speak to something that would be better for them or make a better world in their like, perspective. So for you, where would you take it? Uh, I'm actually working on one right now with a real estate firm in Houston. Uh, they want to tokenize their real estate and use NFTs as capital raising. So uh, that's a big one. I've been looking a lot into tokenized real estate. And I think that's a really cool opportunity because you can, you know, like uh, most people are priced out of the real estate market, but with as little as $50, you can, you know, basically get a share uh, in a property and run it with other people and make passive income and that helps grow generational wealth. So uh, that that's a really interesting one to me. Another one is uh, a decentralized agriculture network, which is something I've also kind of uh, started doing the beginning parts of developing as far as um, like research and development with a lot of help from other professors at the agriculture school here at A&M. And, um, because uh, I don't know how much you know about the agriculture supply chain, but farmers get ripped off, and it's so sad. And a lot of it is because of the 
intermediaries or the middlemen in the whole process. And each one of those represents an increased cost, an extra cost that the farmer shouldn't have to be paying in the first place. So, yeah. On the real estate side, Grant and I from Not Crypto Bros, we were recently talking to a guy named Domingo from HomeDAO. Mm -hmm. And they actually, I don't know if I'm supposed to share this, but I'm going to share it. And if I get in trouble, I get in trouble. (laughs) I, he didn't sign in any NDA. He didn't like say, hey, don't share this. But he is actually from Houston, I believe. Mm-hmm. Houston or San Antonio. And I know I should not mix the two. I'm so sorry. And they are launching a fractionalized... They're launching a, a home that's going to be fractionalized, fractionally res, uh, tokenized where mm-hmm. you can buy... Like you said, he said the smallest amount will be $100. And Texas offers a lot of advantages when it comes to real estate. I didn't know this, but has to do with pass-through laws and taxes and how you're taxed when you sell. So very interesting thing. So you're definitely in the place for real estate. And if after you want to get in touch with him, please do. He is going to hop on more than blockchain soon, which I'm very excited about because I do think fractionalizing real estate is a really important thing. And he said, look, like future generations, even millennials are really struggling to buy their first home. It's not like back mm-hmm. in the 60s or the 70s where you could work almost any type of job and with that employment, probably leverage that you know, your salary to be able to, to buy a home and be a homeowner, which I think is part and parcel of the American dream. I think that that dream is changing. And my generation, your generation, maybe see now Bitcoin ownership as just as freeing or liberating. But that's one point I wanted to make. And so if you want that intro or you can listen to Domingo's episode and let me know, but he's also in your it's backyard. Sad, I yeah. I mean, that's what this is. That's why I'm, I love doing this. And then the other thing was, can you talk to me more about the agricultural side? of decentralizing agriculture or tokenizing agriculture. Why would we do that? Context being here is that I work for Mercy Corps and I'm on the Mm -hmm. philanthropic side. So I'm trying to figure out how we get more people in crypto to donate. Many Mm -hmm. people in crypto totally have a philanthropic heart. They want to give back. They want to do good in the world. uh, And we kind of want to show up and say, hey, here we are doing all this stuff. Then there's the, the, the kind of programmatic side. And on the programmatic side, through different avenues, they have been using blockchain to help small subsistence farmers. More specifically looking at crop insurance, because Mm -hmm. sometimes if you have to tap into your crop insurance, it can take a long time to pay out. But what Mercy Corps is looking into and doing is using smart contracts so you can get paid out immediately. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of give you that context on the ag, and maybe you can talk more about what tokenizing agriculture looks like, because I do think we have to figure out agriculture. Supply chains are way out of whack. I was reading an article mm. about how, and I forget exactly the country, but people are smuggling onions because they're so valuable. So if you can figure out a way, that's a real world case. So talk to me now. How are you going to use tokenization to increase, you know, help, help the farmer who's at one side of the value ladder? Yeah, so uh, I haven't gotten too much to the tokenization part yet. Uh, it's mostly a, most, mostly at the concept level uh but basically one of the biggest problems i see is uh out of every dollar farmers make around 10 cents off of that dollar uh marketing gets like 30 40 cents off of that dollar uh the producer gets a gets a big chunk and meanwhile the farmer's just getting ripped off and they're doing all the work and then in between all that you know you have commodity handlers who basically hold on to the product and until it goes to that next step in the process of the supply chain. Each middleman, see, how I see it is it should basically be, so the farmer and then a party, the party that they get their inputs from, let's say, and then 
the I guess you could say the retail seller that uh, the farmer could sell it directly to. Basically, what I'm saying is there shouldn't be all these steps in the supply chain. You could uh, create like a decentralized network where uh, you got, yeah, just like basically three parties in it. Costs can be slashed and everyone and everyone makes more off of each of those dollars. And a lot of times these uh, these processes and manufacturers, once they get the crop, that's when they'll like start packaging it and start to try to uh, differentiate that product. And they so they can like turn that product into a greater yield, whereas the farmer just has to take like whatever price they can get. In a decentralized network, the farmer could look for the best price. He doesn't have to just take whatever price he can get, and then uh, it ends up that say that that hundred weight was turned into five times more what he got for it uh, after the fact. So he could go look for his own price. Uh, the buyer, same thing. Could, look for the best price from the farmer it's 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 more of an environment of perfect competition and eliminates a lot of the uh the factors in the agriculture market that makes it not perfect competition where it's supposed to be perfect competition but there's there's little things that make it not exactly perfect competition and yeah i mean i i think you can achieve that through a decentralized network yeah i love that because i think you hit the nail on the head because that's how i see web3 and I think that's why, or, you know, the power of blockchain, it's so peer to peer and all it's doing is stripping away all of these middle men, women, people who essentially are just gaining value from something that they never created. And I've seen this a lot in coffee. I've lived in Guatemala and Colombia a lot of my life. And you see that same thing in the value chain in coffee, the people that are on the hills that are at a 70 degree pitch underneath the sun you know, bleeding their hands to get the coffee aren't always the ones that get the love at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. that's the beauty of blockchain. It's making people that for many years have been price takers, allowing them to be price makers. And so that seems like an amazing real world case. Switching gears, many people, like every generation, the generation before them looks at them and they're like, they're lazy, right? Yep. My parents' generation was probably told by my grandparents' generation that they were lazy. My parents' generation was the boomers. I'm a millennial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a Gen Z. So I'm sure even your grandparents look at you and they're like, Jack, what do you mean you're buying JPEGs? What? You know, <laughs> stay in school. Who cares about some guy named BitBoy? I know Warren <laughs> Buffett, right? What is it that you think people, like what's a huge misconception about Gen Z and their use and leverage of blockchain that you want to dispel, if you had to dispel, you know, if you could stand on a mountain and scream, what would it be like? What's the one thing you'd be like, hey, you need to rethink this? Because for me, I'm like, obviously these kids grew up with the internet just like me, but they're even better at it (laughs) if the internet's a game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you can flip NFTs, good on you. And I'm using that as like a very rare case because flipping NFTs, that is not financial advice, people. But what's something that you think boomers or even millennials don't understand about Gen Z and how they're going to use blockchain and crypto and Web3? One of the biggest things is it's not just crypto. Like not enough people understand that, uh, you know, crypto is kind of the one that gets talked about most in the media. But uh, I think ironically, NFTs are a once once in a generation tool for corporations but ironically nfts are getting the most pushback from corporations 
Uh, another big thing, and this is something I hear from my mom all the time, that crypto is scary. Uh, you know, like, people are just scared of it. Even people here in my classes or like at A&M, they don't trust crypto. I think a big part of it is probably just everything they were hearing in the news about FTX. And, and something, something that always really annoys me kind of is uh, people don't understand that FTX, the reason it was allowed to happen is because it was a centralized it was a centralized uh, exchange that didn't have to abide by all the regulations that any other centralized exchange was. And it wasn't crypto. It definitely wasn't blockchain. Like, you know, what it, it was in no sense of the word decentralized. Uh, so, I mean, it was really just a centralized scheme masking as a crypto or decentralized player. And People are taking the FTX thing to uh, strengthen their arguments for regulation, but I see it the complete opposite. With that, FTX proves we need more decentralization. That is an amazing point, and I think it's one that's shared by a lot of people. And I think you just put that so brilliantly because I recently was in Portland and with many new colleagues of mine. I've just been onboarded into this huge organization that works around the globe. And that was one of the points I, I tried to make. And I don't know if I made as eloquently as you did. So <laughs> good on you. Thank you. <laughs> I, lo- I love what you said too about NFTs are a once in a generation opportunity for institutions or companies or brands. Maybe I think you use the word brands, yet it's the thing that they're most reluctant maybe to adopt. Mm-hmm. So let's say I put you in front of KFC perfect example. Mm-hmm. And maybe food might be tough here, but I'm going to throw you a curveball. KFC, the CEO says, Jack, come into my office. Talk to me. I hear you know about NFTs. How can I leverage NFTs to make a better customer experience? And most importantly for me as the CEO who has a fiduciary responsibility to my shareholders, essentially, and help me increase my bottom line. What would you say to that? Now, this is a tough one. So good luck. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, the biggest thing is just like providing value back to your most loyal customers. I think that's where NFTs help uh, brands the most. And in that case, I'd probably suggest something similar to what Starbucks is doing with their reward program. Uh, uh, for those who don't know, they're, uh, you collect tokens from fulfilling objectives, basically, uh, kind of like Call of Duty daily objectives almost. And then once you have enough, you can... Uh, like I'm pretty sure they fly they fly you down to Costa Rica. I'm pretty sure it's like all free if you have like all the tokens or whatever. They'll fly you down to Costa Rica and you spend like three days going from the start to finish at their coffee production plant in Costa Rica and like seeing how Starbucks coffee is made. And the only people who would ever do that are diehard Starbucks fans. So I mean it allows uh it allows you to see who your most loyal customers are and reward them just like they deserve to be rewarded. Uh, an easier thing though than sending them on big trips like for KFC, I don't know, like uh let's say you can buy an NFT that gets you like five free buckets of chicken wings a week. All you have to do is like own the NFT. I I'm I'm not sure. There's there's a lots of there's a lot of creative ways to add value, whether it's giving them like um free stuff or uh even like special events that you have to have this token to access. I think that'd be, that could be really cool too. As far as KFC goes, uh, not, not too sure on how on KFC would implement that, but um, 
I actually got a call today from a startup in San Antonio, and uh, he has a beverage drink, and he told me uh, they're going into the advertise or into the phase where they're ready to start advertising and marketing, but there has to be a way to better connect and engage with your fans. And I was like, oh, yeah, there definitely is. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we we started talking about NFTs and uh, blockchain and all that, and he asked he asked me. Um, are you seeing other businesses start to do this? And I'm, and I'm like, well, you know, like all the big brands, they've kind of been into this for the past year already. But yeah, like uh, smaller businesses are starting to realize the benefits. And so like those who are getting into it now, even if you're a small business, or like you're ahead of the game. Especially if you're a small business, right? I put out episode 58 recently and I list off 27 companies that are in. And if you are in the United States, go listen to that episode, even if you're outside of the United States. But if you're in the United States, especially, if you can listen to that episode and write me a 300 word essay on how none of those companies you've ever interacted with, I will send you one Ethereum. There is your <laughs> challenge because Visa, MasterCard, Walmart, Apple, Nike and Adidas are all on that list. And if you're listening to this yep. episode, if you're in the United States, it's impossible you've never interacted with any one of those brands. So <laughs> I think you're spot on with small businesses. If they get in, it's even bigger. What's a brand for mm. you, even out of the big, any brand, pick a brand. What's the brand for you? You've mentioned Starbucks. Maybe pick another. What's a brand for you that is just doing it right and that you are like, I'm going to continue to invest in them more or I'm going to buy their their product, their Web3 product? That's a great question. Um, see, I, I, I think Starbucks has just done it so well. I actually haven't seen any other uh, any brands that have gotten as far as Starbucks has in the process. And it still looks like so beautiful. Like, uh, yeah, so. Uh, I don't know if you saw like Porsche's uh, NFT launch. That was a complete failure. Um, it's, I have my opinion on why that was. But well, go ahead, please, please share it. If Porsche listens, yeah, so, maybe they'll send you one, and we'll delete the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean, like their their customers are are uh, luxury buyers, and nothing about uh, those NFTs for luxury. And I don't I don't even think they they did the due diligence beforehand to make sure that the customer even wanted one of those things so that you know there's actually a demand for those uh you can't just throw out nfts just because you're a big brand and make your own collection and expect them to sell out there, there there's got to be a want for them it's even better if you have a real world utility right, that goes in with them but you know a picture of a porsche <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i uh, i think that they and you know what you know what i was asking myself when i saw that flop i was asking myself who's the web3 team probably not just an individual, but who's like the web three team that they brought in to say, do the marketing, do the branding, get this off the ground. Because I'm sure the story in my head is that that web three team was having pushback saying, Hey, we're not even sure if we have a crypto native or a web three fluent audience and you want to just sell them NFTs. We don't even know if they have wallets. <laughs> so what's going to yeah. happen is speculators are going to go after it because it's a Porsche and people mm -hmm. who have Ethereum to burn are going to buy it. So like, mm -hmm. I felt like it was super poorly done, but but yeah, back yeah. to Starbucks. Starbucks has done it so well because I think the future of NFTs is you'll use it and not even think about it, right? Like when we stop yep. using NFT, like you and I aren't like, hey, let's meet up on the internet, you know? Mm -hmm. Like let's hang out on the internet, Jack. So <laughs> that to me is totally, as we start to even drop names and it just becomes a part of our life. I think 
at Starbucks, it's the Odyssey program. I believe this is a number. If I'm wrong, I will correct myself in the outro. I think they have 23 million members in the Starbucks rewards program, which you may hear and be like, oh, that's not a lot of people, but it's probably around five to 7% of people in the United States, which is a lot, right? And I think you're right. I don't know of anyone that's done it. The one I was thinking, and I didn't know if you were going to touch them on, was uh, Artifact. I love what Nike has done because I do mm-hmm. think the future of sneakerheads is totally some fidgetal thing or just mm-hmm. all digital shoes. But brands are going to continue to to lobby into this and 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 find and put money. Going back to school, though, I'm not sure when you're set to graduate. What does it look like for you post-graduation? Are you going to stay in, in, in Texas, stay in Houston for the blockchain community that you have? Are you going to spread your wings and go to other countries and go to other places? Like, what does that look like? And for work, I feel like Web3 is very entrepreneurial. I can see the glean in your eye as I say that. Like, I guess what I'm saying is I don't see you going to a Coinbase. So what does it look like for you when, you know, school is in the past and the future is ahead? Uh, I'll, I'll be graduating spring 2024. And, uh, I love to travel, or I would love to travel. I that that's something I like about Web three in general. It's just like the freedom it gives you. Um, it's I mean re- remote work in general as well. I mean, I don't have any and uh too many plans set in stone. But I did start my own uh digital asset investment firm back in July, and uh uh my biggest client is like the third largest cattle owner here in Texas, and uh he's a high net worth investor who wanted to. It, it it's funny because I was actually interviewing him for a uh, school project, and like I had just met him, asked him all my questions I needed for the project, and uh, somehow we started talking about Bitcoin, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, like I've I've heard about that. I want to get into that." And he's like, "So if I could give you X and X amount to uh to invest for me, like would you?" And I was like, "Yeah, well, yeah, sure, let's do it." And um, yeah, and so basically uh. He he represents a whole another uh kind of untapped market that I uh that I see right now, which is high net worth investors who want to get exposure to crypto, want to get exposure to blockchain and digital assets, but they don't have the time or honestly probably the patience to keep up with the day to day, everything happening, everything evolving. You know, they they don't have the time for that. And I I know my client, he he travels uh He'll wake up at sunrise every morning, go check on every single one of uh, his 10,000 plus cattle. Uh, that takes like six hours. Then he's off to the sale barn for the rest of the, rest of the night. Sometimes the cattle sales roll on like throughout the night. He won't leave till like the next morning and same thing over and over. He doesn't have time to be keeping up with the news, checking the charts. Like, you know, so... Uh, yeah, so over this uh over this next year, as I get closer to graduating, I'll probably uh bring in a few more clients, uh get a good foundation for uh for the fund for when I graduate and then so that, that way when I graduate I can just rock and roll and really really grow that thing and scale it. That that's kind of what I've been waiting on is to graduate. I don't I I'd like to put a lot more time into it and wait until it's the right time than to half acid and be distracted. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, the relationship you have with this investor and this high net worth individual. And I, I guess my mm-hmm. question is two things. One, are you investing in just cryptocurrency or are you also investing in NFTs? 
And then the other one is, are you paid out? Do you have goals or are you just paid out in a percent of his profit? Right now, just crypto. We actually closed the I actually closed the trade right before I came on here for 42%, uh, which was nice. Just crypto right now, uh, I definitely plan to get him some NFTs and um, even some like metaverse property at some point. But yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I, I get 10% of like every trade. Amazing. Amazing. I love that you have that set up. That is something that I personally have been looking into. So I'm sure I'll pick your brain off, Mike, about that a little bit more. Yes, sir. Of course. As a last question, if you had, and I like just using hypotheticals because they're fun and crypto is also a world of hypotheticals. I love that. So if I gave you a million dollars, $10 million, like some large amount of money, can you just talk about where you would today in the end of January, 2023, as an investor and as someone that's also investing on behalf of other people, where would you put it in crypto? If you could even give me a breakdown, you could go 100% BTC, you could go 50-50 ETH BTC, you could break me into an altcoin or something different. Where would you go? First of all, I, 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 like, to le- I, I like to keep at least like 60% cash on hand uh, out of the whole portfolio in a time like this, because you know, when, when I decide the bottom's in, you know, <laughs> we got at least 60 to 80% of our portfolio thrown there. Keeping cash on hand during this at during this time is uh definitely important. And then as far as uh what we put in, I'd I'd probably say like just to be safe, half of it at least needs to go into like ETH, Bitcoin, something some kind of stability, layer one. Personally, I like the I like the uh future of ETH from a conceptual point, if that makes any sense. Just the fact that it really has no ends to how how much it can keep growing. Uh, like you know, layers get built on top of it. It's a whole ecosystem. It's not just it's not just Bitcoin. Um, so I mean, either one of those fifty percent. Uh, you could even go like seventy five percent if you're more of a high net worth investor. It's really just trying to like keep more st- stability as possible. And then uh, I mean, I would I would have at least twenty five percent of that into some layer twos. Polygon always a good one. I think Polygon is the best business development team in the space. Uh, Aptos is actually the one I just closed the 42% return on. Aptos is one that's making a lot of buzz. It's an interesting one for sure. I've always been big on Cardano. Um, I, I, I like their science and research-based approach to solutions. And I think this next bull market is going to be all about Layer 2. So if... But that's not to say just go buy in any layer twos. Uh, always do your research. Crypto market, it's even more important to do your research and be careful because it is the Wild West and it is so volatile and you can get wrecked way more than you can get wrecked in the stock market. So, yeah. I'm glad you shouted all those things out to do your own research to make sure that you're cautious. I like everything you just said there. I- I think it makes sense. Cardano is not one I have exposure to, but Grant, who's on Not Crypto Bros, and we're actually starting a new show this Friday called Friday Finances, where we're going to dive into our own kind of journey just from a very behind the scenes look. He's a huge Cardano advocate, and he says the exact same thing. He's very much into their approach in, uh, into how they build their blockchain and community mm-hmm. first. So, so that's, that's great to see. As a final little part here, I'd love to give you a chance to shout out where people can find you if they want to get in touch with you. We obviously connected on LinkedIn. Feel mm-hmm. free to shout out your LinkedIn, your Twitter, your website, wherever people can get in touch with you. Uh, LinkedIn's probably the best place to go. It's just at Jack Snell. You can go check out my Twitter at J, J Frost HTX. 
or honestly, my email is always open too. That's also on my LinkedIn. So yeah. Jack, thank you so much for hopping on and I, uh, I hope you're well. Thank you so much for having me, Jared. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of More Than Blockchain. And to get in touch with Jack, go ahead and find his LinkedIn and Twitter in this episode's show notes. No matter where you're listening to us, please go ahead and subscribe. And if you don't subscribe to us yet on YouTube, be sure to check us out. I've been creating YouTube-only exclusive content, so check us out on YouTube at More Than Blockchain. Please be sure to follow us also on any social media at More Than Blockchain. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. You can DM it to them, email it, text it, however you want. Drop them the link. Thanks again for checking out More Than Blockchain, and I'll see you next time.